Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us we, as we wrap up what's been another very busy week. Yesterday was a, uh, an amazing day, a lot going on. There was a vote in the House on immigration, and an immigration bill voted down kind of as expected. And then they took up the farm bill, and it was uh, tight, but they got it passed, 213 to 211, the vote there. So we're going to talk about that. It was also an interesting day with renewable fuels, as it looked like there was going to be an announcement, maybe even a farm visit in Missouri by Secretary Purdue and EPA Administrator Pruitt to announce maybe reallocation uh, for uh, those lost RFS gallons. But it looks like uh, that's been put on hold, and we'll get the very latest on that coming up on today's program as well. Lots of reaction today to the passage of the uh, House Farm Bill. We'll talk with Chris Galen with the National Milk Producers Federation a little bit later, get his thoughts on, from a dairy perspective, not only on the Farm Bill, but the Immigration Bill as well. And scheduled to join us at the end of the program today, Chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Mike Conaway, and we'll get his thoughts on not only finally passing the Farm Bill, but now looking to move on to a conference committee with the Senate. Let's talk about all that with Jerry Hagstrom from the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, how are you? Interesting day yesterday, huh? It certainly was. I'm sort of taking today off. It's raining in Washington, and I'm staying home. There's nothing happening on agriculture today as far as I can tell. Crammed it all into yesterday. Let's kind of go through how it, uh, how it went yesterday. started with that immigration vote, and the immigration bill that was voted on was voted down. Tell us about that, and where do they go from here on immigration? Yes, the uh, uh, the immigration which did contain a uh, an ag worker provision uh, was uh, was voted down as was expected. Now this was considered for the most part to be a hard line uh, immigration bill that would restrict legal immigration. So that's why it went down. Now at the same time, they the House has come up with another bill. Uh, that would provide some protection to these so-called dreamers, the kids uh, who are brought into the country and now they're in college and they don't have they don't have legal status. Um, uh, but the whole situation has become uh, immersed in the problem of these children who are t- uh, taken away from their parents uh, and uh, put in these detention centers in Texas. And so there's an attempt to do something about that too. And the, the, the House knew that that bill would also go down, and so they decided not to vote on that until Monday and see what they might be able to work out over the, uh, over the weekend. So that was the situation with, uh, with immigration. Uh, but after the first vote on the, uh, on the immigration bill, they did move to the farm bill. And uh, it was interesting that the farm bill vote, and we kind of thought going in they would have the votes, but it was very close, 213 to 211. Well, and for a few minutes there, uh, the vote was 211 to 211. And uh, uh, it just sat there for a while. Uh, And then they got the last two votes. Uh, And uh, it was a strange situation. Congressman Aderholt, the chairman of the House Agriculture Appropriations Subcommittee, didn't vote because he was in a meeting. Um, and when he got 
when he, I guess when he got there or was about to get there, they had already pulled down the gavel because when they got to 213, they were so thrilled that the, that whoever was chairing the, uh, the House uh, just hit the gavel so that the bill had passed. Yeah, so I would imagine, and I'm going to talk to Chairman Conaway about this later, he had to really be holding his breath. I mean, to come down to uh, that tide of a vote, uh, wow, it was anything but a sure yeah. thing. Obviously, they got some Republicans to come on board, but they still didn't convince uh, several others. And uh, it kind of makes you wonder now as we look ahead to the Senate moving ahead with theirs and getting to a conference committee, uh, how that's going to play out. Well, that's right. Uh, you, you know, the, the major issue is these, uh, these increased work requirements uh, for the beneficiaries of food stamps and also uh, the, uh, the more restrictive eligibility criteria. And the Senate has not, gone, uh, has not gone along with this. And I still think it's going to be very difficult to come up with a compromise on that issue that can get through both the Senate and the House, at least before the election, uh, because people are so dug in on these, uh, uh, on these positions. Um, and... Uh, you know, they. I mean, if uh, let's say if Colin Peterson, the the ranking member on agriculture, uh, prevails and they go more with the Senate version, then you might get enough House votes. Uh, but will the Republican leadership want to put through a bill that a lot of their members vote against, but the Democrats vote for? Uh, I still think that'll be hard uh, before uh, before the election. But on the other hand. The, agric- the, the agriculture community and the agriculture leadership in Congress do want to do a bill before September 30th, which is, of course, uh, when the current farm bill would expire. And if they don't do that, then they have to do an extension. Yeah, that seems to be momentum for getting it done, doesn't it now? I mean, for a long time we wondered if that was the case or not, but it seems like, even though there's still these hurdles to overcome, it seems like they're kind of on track to get it done this year. Well, yes, and, uh, you know, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is really motivated on this because of the hemp provisions that are so important to his state. The idea of growing hemp has become very popular there, uh, but hemp is still classified as a drug, and the bill would declassify hemp uh, as a drug. It would no longer have the same status as marijuana uh, uh, under federal drug laws. Jerry, what are you hearing in Washington about the, the administration's uh, plan to kind of reorganize uh, uh, some different agencies, and certainly when it comes to uh, uh, food safety and also the uh, SNAP program, move it from uh, USDA uh, and into Health and Human Services? What, what kind of reception is that getting? Well, I haven't heard a lot yet because it came out, of course, the same day that the House was doing the Farm Bill. So people have not really had time to react. Uh, But it would tremendously diminish the stature of the Agriculture Department to lose the SNAP program and the WIC program, the program for for, uh, um, pregnant women, uh, mothers, and small children. It gives um, money to low-income people. but or or not money, but food to to low income people, healthy food. Uh, so on the that's one, that's one issue, and of, and complicating that would be that if you moved the SNAP program to 
to the, uh, another department, then also the ag committees would lose jurisdiction over it because they don't have jurisdiction over that uh, over that other department. Uh, on the food safety issue, um, the the thing is that there have been calls for many years to combine the two, but usually the food safety advocates say don't do it within USDA because USDA also promotes food and and agricultural sales, and they're not going to be tough enough. The other complication is that if you put uh, uh, meat and poultry inspection together with all the other uh, things, there is a fear that, that meat inspection would lose a lot of its budget to these other things because meat inspection at the moment has a budget for, for in-plant inspection every day, and a lot of those other things are inspected only once every few years. So That's a battle that, brewing. That's not yeah. a simple issue. No, that's a battle to watch. That's coming that we'll be covering. All right, Jerry, as always, thank you very much. Thank you. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. We'll talk about the RFS next on Adams on Agriculture. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing. Manufacturing my home state of Minnesota, a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever: get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows. 
two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, along with the immigration and farm bill votes in the House yesterday, also going on was what we thought was possibly going to be a big announcement by EPA on uh, reallocation. And it looked like there might even be a visit to a farm in Missouri by Secretary Purdue and EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt. That's kind of the thinking that that was where the big announcement was going to come. Then all of a sudden, it was off. Let's talk about it with Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets reporter for Reuters. Jarrett, thanks for joining us. Uh, it was kind of a up-and-down day yesterday following this. Uh, what, what happened? That's a, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty turbulent 48 hours here. It, it looked like the EPA was set to, um, to make a proposal that would somehow reallocate the exempt volumes to larger refiners under the uh, Small Refinery Waiver Program. Uh, that seemed to be a go until it wasn't. Um, it's our understanding that there was the White House was caught a little flat-footed on the, on the proposal, and they needed to uh, at least examine it or re-examine it. And as of right now, our reporting says it's gone. Uh, it's gone from the RVO. So uh, it, it was a very short-lived proposal. Um, so I don't know if we'll ever see what the mechanics are, were or what the actual the language of that would be um so that's kind of where things stand at the moment there were tweets there were comments being leaked out that the oil industry wasn't real happy with what they thought was coming so that made everyone think that it was probably going to be the reallocation uh do you think it was oil industry pressure that got got it stopped no doubt i, I my phone was ringing off the hook from um uh, folks in the oil industry trying to get it in front of this. I think they, they were on the record talking about their uh, their criticisms of this. They heard the, the whispers that it was going to be in it, and I think there was a concerted effort um, to to make their opposition known. Um, so that's the only thing that, you know, that's, at this point, that's the only kind of tangible evidence you can point to is why, why it got pulled. So, uh, I mean, I think that's that. You'd have to say that that the oil industry was effective of, of, of getting its criticism out there. It seemed like that train had gotten pretty far down the track before <laughs> it got stopped. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I think uh, the, the, the weird question, I guess, to me, and it's something I, you know, I, I don't know if we'll ever figure out, is uh, Scott Pro was in the Midwest all of last week. He had an opportunity to, to discuss this in full, and he didn't, um, or at least tip his hand. Uh, there's, you know, obviously this is something that Midwest farmers would would like to see. So the the absence of that on the trail makes me suspect that this was something that was rather hatched in the last, I don't know, 72, last four or five days, something like that. Um, so usually those things, as complicated as this is, because it's not an it's not an easy way to reallocate, particularly just from a legal, political, and all kinds of uh, points of view. So. You know, when I started hearing this, I was a little suspicious that it was going to survive. Um, but 
Um, we'll see. I don't think it's dead. Obviously, this is something that the, 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 the biofuels industry wants, um, and I th- it's a matter of, um, you know, we'll have to see what the next step is. I thought maybe with all the negative news hitting agriculture right now over trade, um, I thought maybe this was the way the administration was going to try to offer some good news to the uh, to the ag community. So I thought maybe that's was kind of pushing it till it got derailed. Sure, I think that I mean that that is the that is the, the conventional wisdom um, that that Mr. Pro was in the Midwest got an earful, um, and I think he. I think we're learning more about the relationship between Mr. Pro and Mr. Purdue. I think, I, by all accounts, they have a decent relationship. Um, and to what extent um, uh, Mr. Purdue is an advocate uh, for for those types of policies and gives us some guidance, uh, we have reason to believe that you know those kinds of conversations have happened. Just um, so the question is, how much in the loop with the White House? I think is the, the lingering question. And. Um, as you can see, everything with RFS, you move you move one peg, you anger one person, you move peg in a different direction, you anger another person. So it's 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 almost an impossible thing. So if if you're not willing to take the backlash, I don't know I don't know if you could do anything because mm-hmm. you're not going to make everybody happy. We're talking with Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets reporter. Jarrett, you touched on something I've been wondering about. What is the real relationship? Maybe we don't know and won't ever know between the White House and EPA, and I wonder about the lines of communication even between the two. This, I mean, certainly this particular uh, uh, series of events in the last 48 hours certainly, you know, raises some questions. Um, you know, you never really know. I I, I like to, to assume that everything that, that, that uh, the EPA does, not everything, but on, on the biggest issues, there's some consultation with the White House. Um, so therefore, the White House has its kind of tacit approval. So that's the way I view things in general um, until until I'm proven otherwise. So if it is true, as 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 we are hearing that you know, that the White House wasn't really brought in on this, and and given that you know, the, you have to assume that the oil industry was going to be opposed to it and be opposed loudly. Um, you know, I, I don't think uh, in, in politics people don't like to be surprised as a general rule. So. If it's true the White House was caught flat-footed, that that, that certainly falls on, on EPA shoulders. Um, so uh, we're still trying to figure out those series of events. Yeah, this supposed uh, quest by the White House for a, win, a win-win on this, uh, I'm, I'm like you. Uh, no matter what they do, it's going to make somebody unhappy, so they better they better be prepared to deal with one side or the other if they ever make a decision on this. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I mean, I think you're, you have to just agree. You have to accept the criticism and, and know that you're going to get it. And if you think you're doing the right thing, move ahead with it. Um, but this concept, I still still perplexed why the White House has gone so deep down this rabbit hole in general. Um, they've they've seemingly angered so many people, and I, and I, I think to you know the critics of you know all the attention's been uh, or criticism has been leveled at Mr. Pruitt, but I, I don't know. I mean. Trump shares some of the blame as well. He's certainly been an antagonist to the RFS to some degree, right? He's he's helping fuel the, the uh, fuel some of these changes, and his interest in this certainly uh, you know, certainly helps. Well, I've said that all along. I mean, he's the boss, and he can, he can tell Scott Pruitt he'd stop doing this or do this, or, but that doesn't seem to be happening. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, you know it. I'm always uh, one one point of inquiry I have now is just you know how 
why. There has to be some alternate explanation mm-hmm. of, of we've had six six months, seven months of steady drips of news. Um, so there had to, there has to be some some alternate explanation of, of why we've gone this far and gone this far without any any reform. So you, you've yeah. gotten punished. You, and you haven't done anything, so it right. just seems it just seems uh, you know it just seems clumsy, if nothing else. Yeah, they've taken on a lot of criticism from both sides for for doing nothing. They might as well have done something and at least had one <laughs> side, uh, you know, backing them. Hey, have you, is there any indication that there's going to be a change in the policy or a change in direction of how EPA grants these uh, RFS waivers, these small refinery waivers? You know the. the it seems to be kind of a chicken or an egg thing here going on. Um, the, the EPA's position is that you, you, you can't reallocate the volumes uh, after after the waiver after the um, the RVO is set, and you can't give waivers until the calendar year begins. So if if, if you set the volumes in November of this year for two, uh, 2019, um, and you can't start granting waivers until the calendar year 2019. You essentially caught yourself in a trap here. So I think what I can gather from some of his comments on this trip last week was that there was maybe a move to to have the refiners submit applications prior to the RVO being set in November, and then you have some guesstimate of what the total gallons may be um, that could be exempt. It's kind of like an accounting, accounts payable, accounts receivable, you know, and uh, and then you would be able to legally reallocate. But at the end of the day, if, if you're if you're waiving 1.5 billion gallons, and you're shifting that much that much to to refiners, some who are playing by the rules. I mean, I think it's fair to say that I don't know how just that is. Right. So I, 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 that's a tough policy question. Um, you know, if the waiver program is is, is going to be continued to be as as, as wide and, and broad as it is, that certainly makes reallocation a lot a lot more challenging. Yeah, it is. It seems the farther we go with this, the harder it is to come up with to see how they're. I don't see the end game here. I don't see the clear solution because they've led us down too many different trails. Sure, and if you're uh, like a Philadelphia Energy Solutions, which is a refiner in Philadelphia who filed bankruptcy, they allege it was the RIMS, and certainly there's there's other factors. Um, and the, the the Trump administration bailed them out by forgiving a substantial amount of their RIMS. They're not big, small enough to to be exempt, and now you're going to ask them to pick up, a, you know, their competitor's share of, of of volumes. That just seems like a mixed policy there. It seems like they've created problems they they didn't need to to create. <laughs> but uh, all right, Jared, thank you. We'll stay in touch. All right, man. Take it easy. Jared Renshaw, National Energy Markets reporter for Reuters. Farm bill, immigration bills, those are very important to the dairy industry. We'll talk with Chris Galen with the National Milk Producers Federation next on Adams on Agriculture. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter bankruptcy or divorce it just doesn't matter as a matter of fact your job is your ticket to your new vehicle we're auto credit express and we've helped thousands of people just like you 
Antonio H. told us, great company. Got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. It's a mix in the granite oil seed sector early on this Friday with soybean futures trending into positive territory, trying to recover some of this week's losses. Corn futures, a narrow mix. The wheat futures bending five to six lower. Chicago, Kansas City, penny and a fraction lower in Minneapolis spring wheat. Soybean futures trending seven to over 10 cents higher an hour into the trading day. For now, on the new crop November, initial support said to be at 8.98 and a half. If that cracks, the bears have their sights set on 8.64 and a half. That'd be the spike low we scored back on Tuesday. The market falling in search of demand. New crop December corn sees major support at 360. On the upside, an initial corn target lies at the 10-day moving average, 385 and a quarter. Friday's weather maps looking drier early. Rain chances mostly confined to Oklahoma to Nebraska over the weekend, moving to Iowa early next week. For livestock at the Merck in cattle futures, we are still waiting for the cash cattle showdown to be resolved in the south. Asking prices renewed at 115, bids around 108. June live cattle around 108 per hundred weight, down 57 cents. Feeder cattle a dime to 35 cents higher. We've got a cattle on feed report coming out Friday afternoon from USDA. Average trade guess for on feed up 3 to 4 percent compared to a year ago. Placements in May down 4 percent. Marketings in May expected to be 5 percent higher than a year ago. Lean hog futures 80 to a dollar five lower. The futures getting caught in the crossfire of President Trump's recent skirmishes over trade. On Wall Street, the Dow is up 175 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. We continue to look back at what was a fascinating day yesterday with the votes in the House, the on-again, off-again situation with the EPA and the Renewable Fuel Standard, what we thought might be an announcement on reallocation, then it was pulled, and then 
Now we don't know where that's going to go, as we just talked about with Jarrett Renshaw with Reuters. Uh, but yesterday in the House, they had the immigration vote. Then they had the Farm Bill vote. Let's talk about it with Chris Galen, Senior Vice President, Communications for the National Milk Producers Federation. Chris, thanks for joining us. I know the dairy industry was really watching those votes yesterday. Sure. We still have more work ahead to improve the dairy safety net for farmers across the country, Mike. And we are working both with the House and the Senate to make those improvements. So I think overall we're very encouraged with the direction of things, most especially now that because the full House has approved its version of the Farm Bill, it looks like now the Senate's going to do the same with its version next week. And I think we're much closer now to getting a new Farm Bill in 2018. Okay, we do not know the final Senate bill yet, but we know what came out of committee. Uh, When you compare the two, which does do you like one better than the other for the dairy industry, or do you like parts of both? Parts of both is always the case that they're never going to do exactly the same things on on some of these detailed issues, and some of it has to do with the personalities involved, and some of it's the philosophies. But the bottom line is we need to have the margin calculation of the margin protection program better estimate and replicate the cost of feeding cows on the typical dairy farm across the country. And in the 2014 Farm Bill, Congress didn't quite get it right with the formula that they implemented. And that is something that's baked into the current Farm Bill that we still have now four years later. So we need to really make that change, and it hasn't quite happened yet, but we do think we can make that change here going forward in the next Farm Bill. There are some other adjustments we'd like to make, such as the amount of your production history that you have to cover. Uh, But a lot of this is just minor uh, tweaking a little knob here or pushing on a lever there. I think the overall direction for both the House and the Senate uh, is definitely going in our favor, and then we'll see how things get resolved when they go to conference and try to reconcile the two versions. Yeah, on the margin protection program, a chance for them to uh, get it right this time to correct uh, the mistake they made in the last farm bill. Well, not so much a mistake, but I think what they did is in order to shoehorn it within a certain budget parameter, they really underestimated the cost of feed, corn, soybeans, and alfalfa hay. And so the margins that farmers have been experiencing largely the last three years isn't really reflected in how often the program issues payouts for those enrolled in the program. So that's what we need to see fixed, and as well as some other tweaks as well. So maybe not a mistake, but a miscalculation, as it turned out. Yeah, well, and the big thing that I know a lot of farmers are upset about, and rightfully so, is that there's a budget cost to the estimates, or the estimated budget cost, Mike, of the program was way, way off. The Congressional Budget Office said this was going to cost millions and millions of dollars a year, and up until this point, up until the spring of 2018, the program has basically taken in more premiums and administrative fees than it has paid out, even though the estimate was that it was going to be costing the government money. It's been probably one of the few government programs in all of uh, the federal government here in Washington that's actually made money off of the people paying into it. And I know that was very galling and upsetting to farmers. So that's the type of thing that we need to see rectified. Talking with Chris Galen with the National Milk Producers Federation. Chris, obviously the ag labor issue is critical to the dairy industry. You were watching that vote yesterday. 
the bill that did have some uh, uh, language in it for ag labor was defeated. Not surprisingly, but it was defeated. Uh, where do we go from here? What does the dairy industry want to see go happen from here? Sure. We have been very clear for years now, Mike, but certainly here in 2018 as well, that we need to have a new ag guest worker visa program as part of any big picture reform of immigration laws. And there's been so many moving parts regarding this whole immigration focus from a policy standpoint here the last few weeks. It, it, we didn't know if there was going to be anything in either of these two bills that the House is voting on. As it turned out, the, the Goodlatte bill that they voted on and failed to pass yesterday did have a ag guest worker program which basically we supported those reforms uh, as the as the means to really get something going that will be a benefit to dairy farm employers now as i mentioned of course the house uh, failed to pass that by about a 40 vote margin so now they've got this weekend to try to gin up enough support to pass what is called the compromise version, the one that the leadership of the House really has spent most of its time time building support for. We will see if, if they've got enough of a critical mass to get uh, over 200 votes or at least the 215 to 218 threshold that they need. Our understanding, Mike, is that that also will have an ag guest worker program in there as a, as a sweetener to perhaps attract some additional support. Uh, but this is still kind of a murky situation. We don't know exactly uh, what the bill will contain before they vote on it. So all the talk about it would be something down the road in July, part of another bill or even standalone issue, uh, which seemed a risky strategy. It would seem a better chance of getting it passed now if they can pull something together next week. Well, a lot of this is they're kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Uh, the, the president has given mixed signals as to how supportive he is of the effort, and that really will weigh on the decisions of a lot of House members, particularly Republicans, as to how much they want to support this. And then uh, kind of contrast this process with the Farm Bill. In the Farm Bill, we know that the House and the Senate each are inclined now to pass separate versions, but hopefully they can uh, reconcile those and get something done this year. In the Senate, you'll recall, that earlier in the spring they tried several times, I think maybe four, they had four separate votes on an immigration reform bill and nothing passed, even after four attempts. So the question is, uh, if the House goes down this road, what is the Senate going to do, and will they be able to pass anything that the president ultimately will sign? So still kind of <laughs> clear as mud, oh, and, yeah. and immigration just remains that issue that becomes very, very difficult to build a, a consensus behind. And I mentioned this this week in, in talking about immigration. We seem to be caught, agriculture seems to be caught in this overall issue, and it's kind of this, uh, the old saying, don't fail to do something because you can't do everything. Uh, right. You know, they could take some action that would help the ag part of it while they're still working on the, on the bigger issue, but uh, it seems like agriculture is just caught in the total impasse when it comes to immigration. And, and, and that is the issue, is that uh, there are some folks who really want to only do this in one major package. In other words, if you're going to take a swing and you're going to be standing there at the baseball uh, home plate, you're going to swing for the fences and try to hit a home run, whereas I think it would be more 
um, likely to achieve success if you're only trying to get on base and hit a single, maybe, as opposed to hitting the grand slam. So that also is part of the dynamic here, uh, is that a lot of times when Congress looks at these things, they don't want to do anything that's just sort of piecemeal. They really want to take major, major, uh, a major swing at the effort. Meanwhile, Chris, on trade, well, immigration, farm bill, China have kind of pushed NAFTA to the back burner on news, but it's still this critical issue. And last we heard, it didn't sound like things were going real well. The administration seemingly now wanting to do one-on-one deals with Mexico and Canada. Uh, How do you view where we're at now as far as getting any kind of resolution, especially on dairy when it comes to Canada? Yeah, well, I think we have to dig in here for the long haul. There was hopes that they may have the overall structure of an agreement before the summer, particularly because what's happening now with Mexico is they've got presidential elections coming up, and that's going to certainly have some bearing as to how Mexico chooses to negotiate with the U.S. You know, for us, the issue isn't so much negotiating dairy access to Mexico. We have great access. We just don't want to see that jeopardized. For us, the sticking point is Canada. And, of course, that kind of flamed up again here a few weeks ago when President Trump and President Trudeau were were kind of going at it over Canada's uh, high tariffs and their supply management program and their new Class 7 pricing program. So that obviously has yet to be resolved. We hope that it will be, but I don't think any of this is going to get done here anytime in the very near future. And in the meantime, it, it, we're seeing an impact on on markets uh, because of all the trade tensions. We're seeing uh, challenges moving forward for exports because of tariffs and retaliation. Where do we stand with, mm-hmm. with dairy trade? Yeah, I was just looking at an analysis prepared by our economist who looked at what the futures markets are saying will happen with milk prices here. And you can see a drop-off that really can only be attributed to the escalating situation, both with China, which is imposing uh, retaliatory tariffs on our dairy exports, and then also with Mexico, because they are now imposing, or at least planning to impose, tariffs against our cheese exports. So the markets are factoring that in, and I think it's about a 40 or 50, percent, 40 or 50 cent per hundredweight drop in the overall milk price. That's what the futures markets are doing. Now, I don't think that's as dramatic as what's happened with soybean prices, say, because of the situation with the tariffs. But really, I think all of agriculture is is feeling the heat, and obviously a lot of farmers are very concerned here that um, if this process drags out, that we could be in for a real depression in commodity prices here as we go through the last half of the year. A lot of moving parts on a lot of different issues, and uh, we're kind of waiting to see how they all come together. Chris, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Mike. Chris Galen, Senior Vice President, Communications for the National Milk Producers Federation. All right, so yesterday the House passes the Farm Bill, 213 to 211. It is expected that the Senate will take theirs up and possibly approve it next week, and that will set up a very interesting and perhaps difficult conference committee we will see how that uh, how that plays out and what will that final bill be it was a close one yesterday a very close vote but the house passed it we're going to talk with the chairman of the house agriculture committee mike conaway get his thoughts on that vote yesterday and looking forward that's coming up next on adams on agriculture
we paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed so if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep call now for prices and information and then decide when you see how little they cost discover craftmatic for less up to 50 percent less than today's leading memory foam brand call 1-800-318-7903 that's 1-800-318-7903 1-800-318-7903 call now i'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better how do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Do you need a car? 
been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. information america's farmers and ranchers need to know adams on agriculture now back to mike adams all right so the house passed the farm bill yesterday 213 to 211 let's talk with the chairman of the house agriculture committee mike conaway mr chairman thank you for joining us how nervous were you yesterday especially when the vote was stuck at 211 to 211 for a while you mean that landslide we had yesterday? <laughs> Call it landslide Mike up here now with that uh, monster vote. You know, I looked up on the board, and I saw there were only four votes that were still had not voted, and all of them were Republicans, so I was pretty confident. But I was just wondering why those guys hadn't already voted, and, uh, and we finally got there. So, uh, no, we, everybody knew it was going to be razor thin. Uh, we had a, you know, kind of a bed check to make sure everybody was going to be here yesterday. Uh, we had a couple of folks change travel plans and uh, to stay for that vote which I certainly appreciate. But uh, we got it done. Uh, majority is a majority, and uh, we're now ready to move on. And, uh, and I'm excited about this next step of uh, getting to conference once Pat's successful over in the Senate. Yeah, it is expected that the Senate will pass their bill next week. Then you go to that conference committee. Uh, obviously, big differences between the two bills. Uh, what do you expect as far as how that will play out and what you will be able to keep in the final bill from your version? Well, I'm not sure we can answer that yet uh, until we see what, uh, you know, there's a lot of floor action in the Senate uh, in terms of amendments and changes like that. I do know that the score was just released on uh, on the Senate bill, and Pat brings it in deficit neutral like we did, which is, a, is a, uh, you know, kudos to him for being able to do that. I do notice that, that uh, there's about a $400 million cut to Title I and Title XI uh, to uh, the safety net which is, uh, you know, makes it interesting for my, my colleague Colin because he's been bragging on the Senate bill and, uh, and also criticizing the House bill for not doing more for Title I and Title XI. And yet he thinks that uh, the Senate bill's better with a $400 million cut to those two titles. So uh, there's going to be a lot of work to do, be done, Michael. Uh, premature to know kind of where we might wind up and land. But once, uh, once Colin, I mean, once uh, uh, Pat gets his version done, and that kind of sets the parentheses for where we're going to wind up. And, uh, and I'm anxious to get to that point. I also know uh, in my heart of hearts that Colin will re-engage um, on behalf of rural America and, and production America the way he's always done. Now that we've got this house uh, dust up behind us, I'm anxious to get him back uh, helping out to uh, get to a better farm bill that's, uh, uh, that's blended between the two. Are you two still not talking? Oh, I haven't had an opportunity to. We have not any floor thing this morning. 
so uh, uh, we've always talked. I mean, I just I haven't uh, had anything to talk to him about about the farm bill because, you know, I've, I've, my mama said no, and I took her at her word, and I kind of got trained that way. So when somebody tells me no, I I take them at no, and and uh, I don't try to you know try to reengage on something they told me no on unless they bring it back up. But now that uh, we've got it done, that's all behind us. Uh, I'm hopeful Colin can put it behind him, and I'll put it behind me, and. And uh, we'll re-engage with uh, with the conference committee once Pat gets it done. Pat will be the chairman of the of the conference committee, and so once he gets his bill done next week, and I got great confidence that he will, then he will start that process and form it up. Colin and I, <coughs> Colin and I will appoint our conferees, and uh, we'll go about the which is probably going to be a pretty arduous task of uh, blending these two bills. The stricter work requirements for food stamp recipients, the the controversial part of uh, your bill that's uh, been such a challenge in the House, not in the Senate version. How strong are you going to fight for that in the conference committee? Well, I've got three and a half years of my life invested in improving SNAP, and I'm anxious to have the conversation with anybody who will have it as to why, with a 3.8% unemployment rate, people think it's uh, it's horrible to ask work-capable individuals, 18 to 59, who are not a caregiver of a six-year-old or younger and are not physically and mentally uh, disabled, why asking them to work for 20 hours a week is such a terrible thing. Uh, it's been in the law for a long, long time. We moved the age up. I got that from 49 to 59. But the 20-hour thing has been there. We don't increase that until the end of the farm bill to, to 25 weeks. So in, in farm country, uh, having a conversation with somebody about a 20-hour work week, they typically react, well, that's the second or third job that I do just to try to keep the farm uh, going. So uh, I'll, I'll have that conversation with anybody that that uh, is, quote, unquote, st- uh, harsh ideology that I've been preaching that uh, that asks folks who are going to get public assistance to help themselves by uh, training and or just simply working, and why that is so terrible. Uh, 80% of Democrats believe it's a good idea. Uh, 90% of Republicans believe it's a good idea. And so, uh, you know, I'm anxious to, to defend uh, this idea that if you're going to get public assistance, that, uh, that we want you to help yourself, for, for, certainly for those folks who are capable of helping themselves. Is that a deal breaker for you in conference? Too early to tell. I mean, obviously, uh, I've got a lot invested in it. I've got a lot of my Republican members who have insisted that uh, that be in the final deal. But until Pat gets it done, uh, it's premature to talk about any kind of red lines or deal breakers or anything like that. That sets up a false narrative that I'm not ready to, to have until we know what the parentheses are. Once we know where the parentheses are, then uh, we can begin to move forward to, to, uh, to, to get that done. The other thing, Michael, I don't want to do, and I don't think Pat does either, is negotiate uh, through the public airways and in the newspaper. We need to do that negotiation face-to-face. And uh, so uh, answering a question like that, it uh, just sets, sets us up for failure more than anything else. So as soon as the Senate passes theirs, do, the, do your staffers start working behind the scenes to getting ready for the conference then? Absolutely. In fact, we're already doing that. You know, we've got the Senate uh, uh, committee version right now. We've got a, uh, a, a chart that shows our bill, their bill, for every single you know, section of the deal. Uh, we will continue to watch that next week if Pat does, in fact, go to the floor and, and the amendments begin get added to the bill and the changes. So once his gavel goes down and they've got theirs passed, we'll pretty much know – the differences between the two, and, and there'll be, a, in all likelihood, an awful lot of low-hanging fruit that staff will immediately can go to to begin to, to, to whittle down the things that, that the conference committee will have to come to grips with, you know, the tougher items. But, uh, but yes, uh, our guys are, you know, they've, they've had a bit of a breather uh, since the 18th of May when, uh, when we got ours done, 
And uh, now that we've got ours passed last, I mean, we got the, that's the, the the one we voted on last night was actually voted on on May 18th as well, so no changes to it. But uh, but they've been watching what the Senate does, and you know, when uh, Pat gets through next week, and I'm sure hopefully can, uh, that uh, we'll be ready to go. All right, Mr. Chairman, thanks for being with us. Congratulations on getting your bill passed, and uh, good luck going to conference. Well, thanks, Michael. I look forward to continuing to talk to you about it. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Mike Conaway from Texas. So uh, we expect that the Senate takes up their bill early next week, and we'll see how that goes. They've got some things to deal with, including Senator Grassley's uh, push for payment limit and payment limit language and uh, some of those issues. So we'll see if they get that done. But uh, really shaping up to be an interesting conference uh, committee with the differences between the House and Senate versions. We'll talk a lot more about it next week and also take a look at the other issues going on. Have a great weekend. Join us on AOA. AOA.